another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, the journey to create the new metal canon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me, as always, the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with you back for another episode of Roach Coach, creating this new metal canon, one album at a time. This week, we got we, we had to go back to these boys. We had to go back to these boys because they got a new one coming out, and it's been consistently ripping and so the word was that we had to go and revisit the boys in stained and their last record that they put out before they took a long ass hiatus their self-titled record and there was only one man that we could ask to talk about this record with us you may know him from his excellent podcast how i got tonitis ladies and gentlemen jd howdy howdy thanks for having me guys hey Uh, jd JD, thanks so much for coming on the show. Your podcast is super good. I want to lead with that. Um, Matt and I are big fans um, just, of our tinnitus. I, we, <laughs> love <it. laughs> yeah. we, um, we love it. Yeah, we love a constant annoying ring. It is mm, fantastic. Yeah, our slowly. I mean, my I, I would say mine is probably slowly burgeoning um, tinnitus. I listen to the show and I'm like, well. It could be worse. It's a very interesting show. Um, your Lou Barlow episode, incredible. I mean, real quick for people that aren't familiar, like sort of how did you, how did the show sort of come about for you? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in Texas just playing in loud, aggressive punk bands. And uh, the louder, the better. At some point, I got a taste for uh, guitar so loud that it'd shake paintings and pictures off the walls. And uh, I just kept diving deeper until one day I woke up and I was like, oh, the ringing is just absolutely not going away. I kind of had a hard time with it at first. Uh, thankfully, I, I kind of got out of the woods. It was, it was very troubling emotionally, psychologically. And uh, when I got on the other side, I guess you could say, I thought like, oh, I want to make a show about this thing that I'm experiencing because I got really obsessed with it. So much so that I uh, turned my whole life around it, and now I'm going back to school after 20 years. I was a chef and rock star for the bulk of those years, and now I'm studying psychology and neuroscience with the uh, the goal of helping other people living with tinnitus because it can be really troubling for some people who are living with that constant ringing in their ears. So the show's all about me just talking about my journey, understanding how I got myself in this position, uh, talking to other folks who've gotten themselves in that same position, and uh, just kind of exploring our relationship with our hearing health. We try to have fun with it, but, you know, it's just kind of a weird amalgamation of my obsession with tinnitus. I mean, obsession is, uh, I think, a key aspect of any good pod. (laughs) When you're listening and you're like, oh, good, this person, they're in deep. They're in deep. And then then you just want to dive in with them. Thank God Lauren was in deep with the new metal because my tepid <laughs> obsession with new metal, the fire has been fanned. But uh, longtime road riders know that uh, at the beginning it was a, it was a tough road to hold for me. <laughs> but was. I think uh, I think the the thing that you realize is you need to either love the people that you're doing it with or love the subject matter that you're doing it about because that is when it's like when no one's there especially at the beginning it's like we're gonna keep going right because we've got to keep doing this like there's i would do this 
alone in a room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I just got to say, speaking of obsessed, I'm totally obsessed with Roach Coach, as I'm sure you can tell from the DMs and sometimes uh, overly caffeinated emails I've sent y'all. But uh, (laughs) I love diving deep into new metal. In fact, the way I found y'all was I kind of wanted a vacation for my tinnitus podcast, and I thought I was going to do a breakdown of all these like Deftones and Corn albums that I was just going bonkers for. And uh, I found an episode of y'all's and I was like, oh, these guys are doing it way better than me. So I just sat back and started listening. So so super excited to be here with y'all today. Well, appreciate oh. that. And there's always room in the new metal pool. We know it. <laughs> we know it. We know it, baby. It was a genre that sold millions. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So this week, yeah, we are talking about Stain's self-titled record from 2011. I guess we'll just dive in. Yeah, this record came out September 13th, 2011. That would, now, that we'll, would be a come down record. That would still okay. be in the come down. Okay, 2013... I think we started yeah. to care a little bit. No, no, bit 2000, about new 2011. 2011. 2000, oh, yeah, nobody cared about new metal in 2011. <laughs> yeah. JD, what is your relationship with Stained and is uh, and if any relationship with this album? So Stained, uh, I realized a lot while doing the homework for, for this episode. Uh, I learned that I think a lot of my musical taste is informed by liking things that other people don't like and um maybe just because i was in the small town in south texas i got this impression that nobody else was going to love stained as much as i did after seeing mud shovel on mtv's return of the rock and uh, i went out and got dysfunction at the mall and i loved that album so much Uh, i think i loved it to spite other people who seemed to not get it. And then when all the other stuff came out, uh, the, when outside started playing on the radio, I started to turn away from stained. Uh, and so I just kind of put them down for many, many years. And then when I got the assignment to pick up this album, I didn't even know it existed in the first place. So I was, I was, Excited to check it out, but I'll admit on my first listen, I was a little confused. But I I hadn't really heard anything from Stained up until this year, pretty much. I occasionally dive back into Dysfunction. Nice. Nice. Okay, Matt, um, your journey with Stained, very complicated. Right now, you are... As well, right now, this, I'm furious. You're furious. Yeah, yes. Because mm-hmm. they have a new record coming. So my take on Stained has always been, they're terrible. I have not liked them. I find Aaron Lewis to be a very, uh, too much of a person. Um, A person who can stay far, far away from me, and I will stay far, far away from them. Uh, Outside is a song I dislike immensely, and kind of that maudlin, cry-in-your-beard, mopey, sad sack, butt rock, I don't like. And then I heard the freaking singles for this new album, and I'm like, do I have to rethink? St- don't make me rethink Stained. I I feel like a pillar of my personality is being challenged here, and I don't like it. And I'm uh, just uh, to, break, to break the facade here, Lauren texted me about this album, and he's like, 
oh, you're not going to like it because you're going to like it, basically. <laughs> He's like, Matt, there's rippers on here. There's rippers in the Denmark, them Dar Hills. Like, oh, stained. I thought I knew you, but obviously I may not. Obviously I may not. What obviously a great sentence. Not. Obviously I may not. You nailed it, Matt. You nailed the landing on that one. Um, so with Stain for me, as I've said before, I was also a big Dysfunction fan. Loved it. Mud Shovel forever. I still regret not pushing you guys harder to put Mud Shovel in the canon because it's not in the canon. It's um, not? It's not in the canon. Hmm. I think we could have a, another conversation. About you think we'd have another conversation? We can have another conversation. Oh boy! I think oh, we could. Boy. What did we, what did we do for Twist? What was the reconsideration that we did for Twist? We played it again in front of an audience of ninety people and said, "Yeah, we got to put this in." <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we just have to get ourselves in front of an audience of ninety. Listen, people. we just got to book a theater and say, "Everybody, get in here!" And they go, "What is this?" It's like we have to reassess stained, and everyone go, "What?" And like the door just are much, just much shovel, <laughs> just. Mud shovel though, and then we're gonna go. We're gonna oh. play one minute of mud shovel, do <laughs> yeah. it, and then be like, "Good night, everybody." <laughs> yep, exactly. You know, I was a fan at the time of uh, Break the Cycle. I would say my fandom has diminished over the years, but um, I can tell you that I did a bit of a skim of the other stained album. So, as uh, longtime listeners know, we tend to do every album in the discography in the order in which they were released. But with the stained record, it was stained in general. The general consensus was people said, hey, after Break the Cycle, shit gets bad. Just a lot of mid-tempo butt rock action, a lot of post-grunge. It's just tough, tough going. Tough going. And I had I had a copy of their follow-up record, 14 Shades of Grey. I had one in college. And I was like, this record was a huge miss for me. I was like, they, they all slow songs, no, not a fan. Sold it back. Don't have a copy anymore. So, uh, and then the records after, I had no history with. I didn't know. I was like, you know, I, when I would hear a song, I was like, yeah, whatever. So, uh, just to do a little due diligence, I went and skimmed through the records after 14 Shades of Grey and before this one, which are Chapter 5 and The Illusion of Progress. And um, we were messaging Again. a little... How can I not hate this band? <laughs> the and, illusion of progress. Yeah. The illusion of progress. So I'll, I'll tell you. So um, I will say that chapter five's not good, but it's fine. Like it's uh, it's it's not new metal. They like shave the edges, so anything that's a rockin' song is more of like yeah, like like it's very much not metal at all. Like they just like sand it down. But you're like, okay, I guess this is fine. Like I didn't, I and I, like I said, I was a skim, so I wasn't like listening to every track to completion. But I was like, this isn't the worst experience of my life. Then I listened to Illusion of Progress. Illusion of Progress is easily the worst stained album I've ever heard, and also probably one of the worst albums I've ever heard. It is incredibly bad. It felt endless. It's fifty six minutes long. So Lauren, and, yeah. hearing this has bolstered my spirits that I'm yeah. that my yeah. take on stained. Has been correct all of these years. I, I will just say, I would just say, it was it was stunning to me how how bad the illusion of progress was. Also, the fact that they called it the illusion of progress that just strikes me as one of those like we want 
critics to really punch us hard when they review this record by making jokes about the title of the album. The record's really brutal. What makes it really wild is um, this incredible quote I found from the Wikipedia for it, in which Aaron Lewis said, We went into the studio with the mindset of making our heaviest record yet, but the record that came out has flavors of Pink Floyd and straight-up blues. We didn't use the same rigs that we use on stage. We used all vintage guitars and amps, and I'm pretty psyched about it. The songs are pretty timeless in their texture. The band calls the new project the most, quote, musical CD they've ever recorded. Now, J.D., I, I was like, you, you have a history of being in bands. If any of your bandmates were to describe an album that you've made in those terms, how would that make you feel? <laughs> uh, it, well, certainly for the type of music I made, it, it'd be kind of a stretch. But uh, <laughs> definitely when you're... You're working as like, you know, going into this deep dive of Stained made me think a lot about bands as a business and how ba uh, a lot of new metal bands, whether they wanted to or not, were forced into this position of like having to operate a commercial enterprise. And with uh, any successful commercial enterprise comes some degree of branding and uh, a knowledge of self. And when you start comparing yourself to a band outside of your genre um, that's also dominating the same commercial rock radio airwaves that you're trying to elbow in that's not that's not a good thing you want to stand out and um, yeah so completely. that is a great insight like I've never thought about that before but like yeah oh this is our most the Beatles record <laughs> yeah. you could make right. it's like well, you know who exists? <laughs> the Beatles yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if I really want to hear some Pink Floyd-inspired music, maybe I'll listen to Dark Side of the Moon. It, it made me think well, that uh, the boys in Stain maybe um, committed the, the sin of forgetting where they're from. Mm, <laughs> Damn! Yeah. JD coming in hot right up top, baby. Oh, my God. Um, I will say the thing that made this quote even more hilarious to me is that this the, the music on The Illusion of Progress is so syrupy, so mid-tempo, so unheavy in every way. And that there's also a song, I believe it is this track five, All I Want. It's one of the few that I listen to all the way through that is basically a uh, matt we talk about this a lot a it's senior year and it's gonna be our year type song. oh yeah but oh, yeah. stained did it and i was like what and at this point i'm like stained is I, i'm pretty sure everybody in Stained at this point was like in their like mid to late 30s um when they made this record and it was just very funny to me i'm like now you make your like <laughs> we're gonna do it <laughs> the crosstown stallions ain't gonna stop the broncos baby because it's <laughs> our year this is our year and if we this don't do it year. then it can't be done can't and be done and by the way boys we're making a pact if we don't get laid by the end of the year we're cutting our coming off, off. <laughs> so um what yes. a weirdo pact what a bunch of psychopaths what a bunch of psychos but hey a, a pact's a pact you gotta make a pact with your boys so this also was the first album that they made with Johnny K. And then okay. somehow they then made this record and they were like, let's bring back Johnny K who made our worst record. Let's do it. Let's bring him back. You know, we did not mention 
who is insane on this album. Oh, we uh, need to. We got to talk about who it is. JD, do you, do you want to tell us who's in Stain? Oh, yeah. On this album? Um, I don't have the wiki right in front of me, but I'm pretty sure I can remember. This album is Aaron Lewis on vocals, and I imagine guitar, because you see a lot of him with the guitar in the studio. Uh, Mike Mushak on guitar. Johnny April on bass. And this was the last album that they recorded with drummer John Wisaki, who apparently left the day, the band three days before the album release was announced. Oh, wow. Indeed. Double in uh, team, team stained there. Oh, yeah. Well, Matt. So I, I'm reading the wiki. I see this. I'm like, ooh. Well, you just had to listen to his lead singer describe this album as very musical uh, well, well <laughs> or, the, I, or one of their last albums is very musical so 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 matt i see this and i'm like huh trouble in paradise i wonder what happened and then jd you send me this text and go you know about this doc and i was like stop the fucking presses there's a making of doc about this album oh, i watch no. it immediately matt matt this is the the best doc I've watched for the show after some kind of monster. Yeah. Bar none. It is stains. Some kind of, monster. it's totally stains. It some kind of monster. It's incredible. It is. It was just a bonus on the deluxe edition of this album. It's an hour and one minute and 40 seconds. It's an hour. It's an hour. And it is riveting because you are dealing with, you're seeing the four personalities of Stained. Oh, the four faces of Stained? <laughs> the four faces of Stained. Aaron Lewis. Energy level never more than a five. Forever smoking a cigarette. Oh, so many cigarettes in that duck. So, so many. Oh, oh my I Lord. I found myself like, judging hard. And uh, I was like trying to imagine like if like somebody was like the building's on fire you have to run and Aaron Lewis was like it ain't happening I'm not running anywhere. Um, Aaron Lewis is is um, he is consumed with his I, I would say like his lead singer syndrome is 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 off the charts. It's amazing. Mike Mushak is um, sense of reason I would say, but also like also a a, a, a a dual creative force in the band and so he's still not totally pushed to the side it's like him and and aaron lewis sort of really button heads johnny april just happy to be there yeah we don't even see him play the bass i don't think once in the whole thing never you never do you see johnny april generally the bass's job is to be happy to be there he says at (laughs) one point he goes incredible career we've had you know, we had an incredible peak, and, you know, then it went down. We're not down, down, but it's gone down, but that's fine. And you know what? I mean, this is a great job. He's like, I've had this job for 17 years. I, I've never had a job for 17 years before this one. I mean, yeah, he is so even keeled, so like, and, and it's basically the vibe you got was like, he shows up, and they're like, this is what you're playing, Johnny. And he's like, cool, great. Oh, at one point, I think he made some comment about, like, he's, like, he's like, Mike's such a good guitar player, man. I couldn't put any of that shit. And I was like, I love it. This is just like so like. I love, know. as someone who poorly plays the bass, I love a good self-aware bass player. That's just like, hey, man, I'm the coat rack with a bass on him. Don't worry about me. There's all- The vibe I really got. 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jay. There's also this one scene, um, because I remember when I first laid eyes on Johnny April in the uh, Mud Shovel video, I was like, wow, that kind of looks like, I mean, the movie didn't come out for a couple of years, but it kind of looks like um, uh, Christian Bale in The Machinist. He's looking a little rough mm. in the Mud Shovel video. And for, for all these years, I was like, he's got to have something more to him to be in this musically complex man and there's another scene in the doc i don't have the quote here but he says something like basically that he's not been the he hasn't uh had the greatest hobbies over the years he sort of says like yeah i'm just uh i just like smoke cigarettes and hang out or so like it's so yeah. i don't know it's, 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 it's not nice really a hobby him. yeah yeah We'll kind of get to. It. I think there was like a there's a line at one point where he's like, like, yeah, these people they just oh I know what it is they're talking about the wannabe song which we will get to. Oh my god, and Matt, you will be yelling. Um and uh and he's like, yeah, you know, it's just like these guys just smoking cigarettes, sitting on the internet, jerking off in their basement. Johnny April's like, oh, you talking about my life? Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> High fives all around. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> my you know my uh, younger self who always hoped that he was like a much more interesting person, totally dead on the rocks there <laughs> to find out that he's basically a drifter <laughs> that won the lottery yeah. and is like well, i don't i'm not gonna do anything because i don't want to mess yeah this yeah up. exactly we're doing real good but everything's oh, cool but he still doesn't yeah. have that rolex he's not part of the stained rolex community uh um, wait Oh God! I can't. I did such a deep Roach Coach dive that I listened to countless episodes just to like (laughs) do a thing. And uh, y'all had mentioned that when Mike Mushak got the call that they sold seven hundred thousand units of uh, Break the Cycle in their first week, that John, Aaron, and Mike all went out and got Rolexes to celebrate, but they they omitted Johnny April and the Rolex acquisition party. Uh, don't get Johnny April or Rolex. He'll sell it for cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and then, finally, we have John Wasaki. <laughs> Johnny uh, April has a cost <laughs> converter in, her, in his head that is just cartons of marble reds. He's <laughs> like, well, your advance on this is $10,000. That's, that's 700 cartons yeah. of marble Though The one who should be concerned about his uh, cigarette budget should be Aaron. That's a lot of cigarettes. Yeah, the nobody smokes cigarettes like Aaron Lewis. And so yeah, so then you have John Wasaki on drums. He is in the documentary the least because he is butting heads with not just Aaron Lewis, but really everybody. And there are multiple scenes in which his drumming is called into question and he is berated by both uh Aaron Lewis and Johnny Kay for how bad his drumming is to his face and behind his back and there's a scene in which uh, in which i yelled during this scene at my tv in which johnny k makes a comment or aaron lewis one of them makes the comment that basically i can't believe i'm oh no aaron lewis says i can't believe that i'm paying this guy the same that i'm getting paid and johnny k's like yeah man i don't think it makes sense either and i was like oh like i was just it was just it was just this clear schism like what happening right in front of us and it was wild because there's later like they have a conversation about like aaron lewis's priorities and stuff and they're like okay you need to turn the camera off now but they kept the camera on for like a lot of stuff and so the interesting thing is that they get in the studio 
to make this album. And the whole thing is we want to get back to the sound of our early stuff. Mushok's like, we wanted to make Dysfunction 2011, you know? And, but then once they get in the studio, they all don't want to be in the studio with each other. And there's so much friction that Johnny K says, okay, I've got to record everybody separate. And so basically from then on, you just have all these scenes that are Johnny K and Aaron Lewis, Johnny K and Wasaki, Johnny K and Mushok, Johnny K and uh, Johnny April. Like never Johnny, Johnny K and Pro Tools. <laughs> and, oh yeah, oh Johnny K and Pro Tools always. Well, that's the thing. That's that's where they raz um, Wasaki about his drums, and they show they're like pointing at the screen, like this is what I had to do to your drums to make your drums good, you know. Um, and then there's like scenes for like uh, Mushak will have his feet up on the on the board, and he'll be yelling about something that he doesn't like. Aaron, you know, to to Johnny K, and then you like smash cut to Johnny K talking to Aaron Lewis and Aaron Lewis is like what's he talking about and I'm just like oh my god Johnny K like working like this like total like I don't know psychologist thing or something um these guys hate each other at this point it's, and then at this point I was like this calling is... like right on camera right mm-hmm. yeah well when um, you mentioned mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. amount of money so it seems that stains so looking again at uh stained llc here mm-hmm. seems they had a four-way split like if if every if he's saying i can't believe that guy makes as much as me that means that the band decided on publishing that they mm-hmm. were going to do a four-way split and yeah. now ceo aaron lewis is looking at the returns here and saying yeah that guy don't deserve as much as me so, it's, I mean, there's only we're there's looking only... to downsize in the drummer department. <laughs> well, I mean, based off of everything, it looks like Wasaki removed himself from the situation. And like I said, he he's not in, like I would say he's the person with the least amount of screen time and the most amount of like stressful, not fun vibes when he is on screen. Because yeah, early on, they have this scene where like him and Aaron Lewis are just like yelling at each other. And it's it's yeah it's very reminiscent of just like you gonna tell me how to fucking sing I'll tell you how to fucking drum like type of things that you see in like the Metallica stuff and it was just very funny just to see them you know like, like yeah just to see them really like discussing like really like Aaron Lewis discussing musical theory in a way was always very interesting because in everything he is dressed um yeah he's you know he's got i think his neck tattoo is very fresh and new but he's also just like baseball cap cigarette always always in the booth like cigarette always and then you can tell that the tension has gotten to such a level that there are scenes where johnny k is giving notes and then aaron lewis is like okay motherfucker you know and going back and forth but there is a scene where johnny k is like hey i think you need to do this you know i think you need to do Instead of singing it this way, I think you should sing it this way. I think it'd be better. And then he like turns around and just is like, oh, this motherfucker fucking I just, you know, like just grumbles to the camera. And there's another camera with Aaron Lewis. And Aaron Lewis like turns to the camera. And honestly, Matt, he sounded a little like you when he said this. He whispers to the camera, he goes, I thought that was a good idea. I was disagreeing. I don't know why Johnny's mad right now, but he's touchy boy. All right. And I was like, that was the most relatable Aaron Lewis was in the entire, entire movie. Otherwise, he's like t- just grumbling to the camera like, I'm just doing what I do. I'm just doing what I do. I was like, oh, God. Uh, yeah. If you don't like Aaron Lewis, 
and you watch this talk, you will really not like Aaron Lewis. But that one moment in the booth did make me laugh. This documentary is on YouTube. I highly recommend it. And um, we will discuss it more at the end in regards to um, yeah, where we where I think it might go in, say. Oh, in, in our oeuvre. In our oeuvre, exactly. In the, um, the sphere. Yeah, exactly, yes. Speaking of this album itself, I have a physical copy here. I picked it up from Landlock Music in beautiful Bloomington, Indiana for a sweet $6. And, Whoa, that, uh, seems, that seems high. That seems like a real used CD price from the early aughts. Yeah, well, that's that's generally how Landlock rolls. Um, their used stuff is six bucks, but their used quality control is very high at Landlocked. You don't, you generally aren't dealing with smashed jewel cases. You aren't dealing with ripped pages or anything. You get a pretty pristine situation. And so, and you know what? I love to support my boys and girls over at Landlocked because they're probably the best record store I've been to in the state. There, it's a really good record store. This CD has an excellent pull quote on the front it's from artist direct and it tells us that this album is a timeless masterpiece stained can't be stopped i was i saw this and i said that whoever's writing for artist direct they went home after that one because <laughs> they didn't have to they couldn't look anybody in the eyes they walked out the door they're like all right i finished my stained stuff don't talk to me gotta go bye and then their boss was like, a you said timeless what? masterpiece. A timeless masterpiece. Not, this thing fucking rocks. Like, another one, like, we've seen it before. Timeless masterpiece. I was like, wow. Okay. And I, I want to say, I don't know if I mentioned, I, I, I had never listened to this album before doing the show. Uh, doing the show. So, um, yeah. So, I was not sure what I was getting into. Review-wise, this album has a 55 out of 100 on Metacritic. Artist Direct gave it five stars. And .com and whoops, and I'm not familiar with, give it four and a half out of five. It got three out of ten from Pop Matters, spin of four out of ten, and Rolling Stone give it two out of five. And I thought we would all enjoy the review of Stained by uh, Stacey Anderson, who said, The seventh album from this troupe of Massachusetts alt-metalers relies on a familiar formula, alternating between petulant ballads and noisily crunching cacophony. The constant is Aaron Lewis's blindingly swatting rage at whatever it is that pits the world and its women against him. Eyes wide open rages against a lover's unspecified self-serving plan atop theatrical guitar shredding, while the power balladry of failing echoes their 2001 hit It's Been a Wild with broad guitar bombast and Lewis's heartily sung heartbreak refrain. Then Lewis raps about tiny dogs and nasty food-based sexual acts with a cadence that doesn't have the slightest prayer of rhyming on Wannabe, and the entire thing implodes spectacularly. <laughs> Cannot wait. Yeah, so the reviews were pretty much what I would expect. When you go through the Stained Records, they're generally getting... Actually, the previous record, Illusion of Progress, got two and a half stars from Rolling Stone, uh, which, Rolling Stone, go, go back and give that a little quick skim. Um, it's not good. And most interestingly, this record debuted at five on the Billboard 200, first week sales of 47,000 copies, but it was the stained album that spent the least weeks on the chart, falling off after eight weeks. And as of November of that year, it had sold 100,000 copies. And what's interesting is that they were like, yeah, and th there's a lot of angst about this in the doc is that, oh, you know, we were so heavy when we did dis Dysfunction and Tormented. We were so heavy, and now 
you know, we did It's Been a While, and then it sort of shifted everything, and now people don't think we rock anymore. And there seems to be some angst about the fact that we don't think they rock anymore. That would but, be me. But it's funny, yeah. But it's I'm funny, though, about- is that when you look at, like, sales-wise, when they decide to pivot back to being this heavy band, the sales go down. And I can also attest that when I saw them live opening for Corn a couple years ago... They did those slow songs. People lost their minds. There is a large constituency of Stain fans who just want "It's Been a While's Outsides Far Away." So far away. So that's what they want from Stain. They actually don't care about like the heavy stuff. So it's interesting that Stain was like, "This is what we got to do." And it's also interesting that now with this Stain comeback stuff, these singles are like Ripper, Ripper, and we're like, "Is this gonna?" do it for the fan base like it's good for me like a fair weather stain fan but it seems like for the people that really put them over the top it seems like that's not what the market would actually want so in any they event. put themselves in, in a tough position because it's been a while is such a world beater of a mm-hmm. song for you know because now you're dealing with i connected to that while i was in high school you know, and if I'm going to play a stain song for my kids, it's going to be that one. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when we look at the distance, the distance between 90 or that was 2000 to uh, uh, break this 2001. So from mm-hmm. 2001 to now, it's like, yeah, I could have a teenager easily. And it's like, what are you going to play for a teenager? You're probably going to play. It's been a while more than you're going to play mud shovel. If you're like, dad, what's stained that? question that no teenager has ever asked dad wake up what's stained <laughs> wake up dad wake up wait what 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 oh what is it what's Sometimes stained when like, uh a new album comes out from an artist and i'm trying to understand the context of where they're going with this new message this new uh musical direction i try to look up their live shows supporting that material so I watched a show uh, at Mohegan Sun. So I currently live in Western Mass, not too far from Springfield, where uh, Stained is originally from. And so they, they played a show at Mohegan Sun uh, out here uh, in New England. And they, I think they play like eight songs from the, uh, from the self-titled album, and they support the set with a couple of their heavy hitters and a couple from uh dysfunction but you can really tell a a shift in the audience reception when they play like it's been a while and all those classic songs songs that i didn't really love but when i watch them in the context of this set intermixed with these heavier songs and of course the new stuff it was interesting how i felt myself being moved by the ones with the little bit of acoustic guitar and the more standard, brighter tunings that I don't really love from Stained. The whole reason I'm into them is because of their down-tuned riffs and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, the, just a very interesting uh, thing where I felt like this this band got kind of pulled in two directions and it was really hard for them to reconcile all of that. And they tried their best with this album. I will mention one set of thank yous in here. So, so yeah. So, we mentioned that Wasaki left the band three days before this album was announced. So, he is mentioned as the drummer in it. He's credited for drums. But when it comes to the album, of the photo of the band, he is 
Dunzo. Oh, no. He ain't there, baby. He is out. And then when it comes to thank yous, he's also not listed. We get a band thank you, which is pretty much what you would expect. Mike and Johnny both get quick, short, unremarkable thank yous. And then Aaron Lewis gives us this. Aaron would like to thank my wife, Vanessa, and daughters, Zoe, Nyla, and Indy, for their constant and unwavering support. To the men and women of the armed forces for their dedication to protecting and serving this great nation. The first responders who watch over us at home. The founding fathers and architects of this great nation for the freedom to nurture an idea, allowing me to build a career and support my family. For creating a framework that allows all the same freedoms to find their way in life without prejudice or fear of persecution. The legal immigrants of this country who have built this nation on their backs with blood, sweat, and tears, and for the incredible diversity they have brought to our nation. Every American who works their ass off, pays their taxes, and provides for theirs. Nothing in this life is free. And finally, with no less importance, the fans that continue to support me through my creative schizophrenia. You still being here is noticed and cherished. So, in Aaron Lewis's thank yous, the founding fathers... Stain fans <laughs> equal one of parallels analogs to each other. George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Steve from Northampton <laughs> came to the show, bought a tea. You the same in Aaron Lewis's eyes, baby. 1776 and the merch booth. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> same. <laughs> Um, and, and finally the, um, album art is what looks to be, I don't know if, honestly, I don't oh, know. Oh, isn't that, lady. isn't that the drummer? <laughs> <laughs> it is. I think, I, I don't know, like a weird contortionist, multi-legged, multi-armed horned woman, man, something. I don't know. It now it, JD, first, let me ask you a question here. Y- y- have you, have you made albums and, and put albums out into the world this way or that? Okay. Oh yeah. When you have the discussion with your band about cover art, have you thought like, "Hey, let's make something that makes nobody want to buy this record"? <laughs> I mean, we have taken some pretty standoffish uh, points of view with our our whole album message, but uh, yeah, this this album cover, I tried to find who made this art. I wanted to understand the story. It seems like. I don't even know who signed off on this. It's very confusing. It seems to make no sense in the context of the sound of the album. But Stain's art direction really, has always been strange. It's it's always been strange, but like abstract, arty. You know, I think of the dysfunction, and then you know, I think about this, and I look at this, and I'm like, this sounds like. Uh, Lauren, help me out. Clive Barker, Hellraiser. Um, that's no, no that 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 was the question. Clive Barker did Hellraiser, oh, yeah. right? He did absolutely. Okay, you betcha. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's him. This album cover looks like you described the Blue Man Group to Clive <laughs> Barker, and we're like, "You make a album cover," yeah. and he's like, "Yeah, I know, extra legs." <laughs> <laughs> Well, also, I'm realizing that these horns that this person has. Oh, God. In, in every photo. These 
in every photo they're holding them on their head like they couldn't actually it ad- adhesed them to their head so they're holding oh, them on their head oh that is very Clive Barker where it says like his torment is to hold his horns to his head mm-hmm. uh yeah it's, Clive it's Barker very really taking it on the chin in this episode you know what though I will say is this uh, is this better or worse than the cover of Illusion of Progress which is a sepia tone shot of an empty field with a man sitting in a wooden chair looking out into the distance it's it's slightly I mean, better yeah <laughs> yeah i would say i would say yeah the decision to be like yeah i don't know weirdo with multiple legs and arms covered in black paint with horns and our logos behind it yeah. it looks like they created a mess on the floor and they were like better than that fucking dude in a chair man anything's better we are going to talk about the standard edition of this album there's a deluxe edition you can listen to that shit on your own time baby um <laughs> and um so we're just doing these 10 tracks we're diving in the first track on this album eyes wide open I'm furious. Stain, what are you doing? You you I like that. Stop it. You didn't get to the chorus, yeah, the Matt. The chorus, the chorus. Oh, okay. All right. I'll keep it going, but that scream is mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. It's a great scream. All right. All right. It's a cool wow. little effect on the symbol in that next line that I, I really like. This that kind of reminds yeah, like me I, of dysfunction. JD, we'll start with you. How'd you feel about Eyes Wide Open? I was psyched about it at first. You know, it kind of has like that classic stain sound. I, the chorus is a little weak need for me, uh, but I, overall, I, I think it's kind of fun. Uh, Very yeah. praise and yeah. worship chorus. I was not expecting. Like, oh, give me those lighters. Give me that. After that scream to go there, mm-hmm. I was like, all right. Going for the lift. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting a lift. From what I could tell, and we'll get into this on some other songs as well, from the doc, you can tell Johnny K's influence on the band is in regards to those type of decisions, and especially um, pre-choruses. Johnny K is in full support of any type of pre-chorus action you might be doing. He's very involved in that aspect as a producer. He is not just hitting record and giving him the nod. I wrote my notes that we they're chunking that bass up and we're chugging away right off the top. 
The first verse is incredibly new metal. The hating and the waiting, hesitating. I just want to be done with you faking for the taking, but I'm wicked up to the fact, awaking up to the fact that you're lying and denying, justifying all the actions you take. It's pathetic and poetic. And then the pre-chorus is him just screaming, it's just sick. It's just sick. I was like, oh my God, stand your fucking back. They're back. I didn't mind the smoothed out chorus. I thought it still brought the heat. I wrote that this is a hot open. Uh, I also wrote that Aaron is the opposite of a sheeple because his eyes are wide open. <laughs> He's and looking then, at um, the other sheeple and being like, when are you going to get red-pilled? When? <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, <laughs> that sheep shits red pills. <laughs> I'm really interested in how songwriting uh, evolves for bands. Uh, you know, like if you listen to the early Black Sabbath records, like especially the first two or three, you hear a lot more fun in the songs. There's little jams and things that don't necessarily need to be there, but they become uh, essential parts of the songs that fans really love. And I think that... Uh, Almost all bands have that in their early records, Corn, Stained, all of these new metal bands. But then as the push and pull between making radio-friendly songs comes along, we lose a little bit of that fun because it becomes more formulaic. So I've always been interested in Mike Mashak's approach to songwriting because he has a really interesting way of tuning his guitars. So he actually has these guitar tutorial videos that are on YouTube that were released around the time of this album. It's sort of a cross-promotional thing. So he talks about how actually for this album, he uh, moved to working on a seven-string guitar. He typically worked on a baritone guitar. Uh, <laughs> Matt's getting a... Wait a minute. Hold wait, on. A minute. Yeah. wait a minute. Seven of you wait a minute. You mean to tell me that he played on a guitar with seven strings? Seven wait a minute. Are we talking about seven strings? Seven strings. Now, guitar, we all know. Six strings. It's got six strings. Yeah, typically. But and in this case, in this they case, they added Mike, one more. They added one Plus more, one. which makes. And I seven. believe that led to what we like to call corn signature sound. That's mm. what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now it apparently also contributes to Stain's signature sound. Yeah, it it in uh, uh, some interesting ways, and I, it might be some conjecture on my part, but uh, especially in some of the solos that you hear on this record, and he does a little plug for the solos that appear on this album. He says, uh, this song has some more solos on it, so that's nice. That's a quote from Mike Mushak, and I'm not sure I agree. Um, Lauren, it, I, you listen to the album. I don't know what your thoughts are about the solos on this album, but... I'm generally not a fan of classical style, like classic rock style solos in new metal. And I think we unfortunately get a lot of that on this album. And and this is just my own personal thing, but I don't think seven strings are the best guitar for traditional style soloing. And that's, that's we could have a whole podcast about that. But So, so I, I'm going to just put it I out mean, there because we've talked like about to me. It. You have extra fretboard to rip on. <laughs> mm, so I will say that, you know, we've talked in the past. We talked about that Static X record that they put all the solos on and we were like, what are you doing? This doesn't work. Get these out of here. Guys, there's a kitchen. 
Mushak's in it, and he's cooking. All right? Oh, he's, he's cooking just, it up. He, he's bringing me dishes. I didn't send anything back. I was like, every... I'm going to say right now, every Mushak solo on this, I was like, let him cook. Let him cook. He's he's doing the damn thing. I was on board for the soloing on this. It did not feel out of place. It definitely, when they happen, I definitely had the thought of like, not quite new metal, but it wasn't jarring because he wasn't going into a classic rock vibe or or something like that. Like It still fit within the tone of the song. And also the dude is... The dude is good. He's real good. Very good. <laughs> it's it felt like a, it felt a little bit like I've been caged. I have been making these mid tempo, you know, dirges for five years, six years, and finally I'm out and I'm free, and I'm gonna rip, and I'm gonna just these fingies are moving, <laughs> all right, and you can't stop them. And I so yeah, every every solo that happened, I was like, listen to the shock over here. Okay, all right. So, um, so I was on board. I, I think I have something nice to say just about all of the solos. Um, this song has Aaron Lewis mumbling into the solo. So yeah, I was I was on board for the solos. Maybe we'll, we'll peek a few as we go through. So songmeanings.com did not have a ton of comments for this album. I'll just read this one. It's from AdZ10, who said, Love the raw emotion Aaron spews here. You can feel the anger and hatred. The song has ultimate slash epic betrayal all over it summarizes how i feel after losing my best mate of over 22 years fucked me over time and time again after i tried to hold an intervention regarding his extreme drug use full-blown junkie now anywho this song speaks to me on a personal level the anywho with two o's it sticks with me it's seared into my memory i man we are the our humans are the weirdest right we are just right. balls of just oh my gosh i'm gonna share this real deep thing anywho, anywho see you guys later well you know <laughs> later alligator <laughs> you know i feel like i'm really trapped in an abyss of my own sadness ever since this happened it was very traumatic for me it was probably one of the worst moments of my life i don't ever stop thinking about it it never goes away any hoozles <laughs> i'll <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm gonna get some orange juice. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'd also like All right. to point out mm -hmm. uh, that this, uh, the lyrics in this song, ever since I heard Godsmack's first album and noticed that five of the songs on that album prominently featured the word "away," I've I've sort of developed this tick where I I start counting word patterns. Um, this song uses the word web in the course caught in the web of your self-serving plan and pathetic. And we'll see those words uh, sooner than I think is ideal for a 10 track album. Well, as Aaron Lewis mentions in the doc, he has said it. He said it all. <laughs> I've said it all. Yeah. I've said it all. And I've used all the words yeah. and I don't know what else to do. And then the camera goes, three hours later all right i got something and i was like the best yeah. the best yeah. this is the best i want i honestly was like why am i not watching this in a crowded theater with a hundred of yeah. my best friends so we get to be throwing things in the air at these transitions and these moves because of that like when he said that i was like incredible hubris i love it and then it's like three hours later all right so this is what i got i was like yes three hours okay. three aaron lewis is in the, the throes of writer's block how long did it last 
three, three hours. hours. He three watched hours. Heat, and then he was all set. He was he was back in the game. <laughs> Take a real Ernest Hemingway approach. I feel like I've seen it and done it all, but I somehow find another way, like the yes. bullfighter fighter in a ring. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Spiders have webs, and webs are filled with deceit and uh, cowardice. And I need to, uh, 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 and 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 can't wait. Uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> I like I, JD. Your insights have been amazing because I never, in my history of this, think have thought about word patterns. But yes. Like, just us as people, we find ourselves using, like, I've started using the word outstanding out of nowhere. And, like, I'm saying outstanding, I haven't said outstanding in, like, 15 years. And now, recently, I'm saying outstanding 5 to 20 times a day. And it's like, why? (laughs) But it's just, like, you get caught in, you know, like, I remember cool, like, Oh, everything's cool for a solid year. Like, stop saying cool, Matt. Like, cool it on cool. I can see that as a writer just being like, I'm going to start paying a little bit more attention to that in the albums I listen to. It's like, were they, if they wrote, because that's the thing, like now popular music, it's like 72 different writers on a song. If they wrote the lyrics, did they have a little loop that they got caught in? It's just like, wow, you really use the same turn of phrase multiple times in different ways on this album. So I think it's you. especially prevalent in, in aggressive music um, there because you're you're trying to often paint this picture of conflict or struggle and and people use things like I push you away, you're the one. I, there's all sorts of tropes. I think it is hard to have different words, you know, then it just becomes like feel and the grit and like the get away from me. It's like, well, how do you sing? Get away from me. It's yeah, kind of like yeah. what you get judged on. It's just like, it's just 3000 different takes on the same four words. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of tropes, you guys, uh, the next song is called <laughs> not again. <laughs> Not again. Could that y'all? Here. 
web. What an intricate web you're weaving. Uh, Matt, I don't know if uh, you, you'd be uh, inclined to go to uh, 155, uh, where Aaron does a, a little thing with his vocals that's kind of uh, much. Yeah, of course. What's that? He's like, oh, I'm so going to get laid with this one. Oh, if I weren't married, the amount of puss I could squish. (laughs) I would say Aaron Lewis's vibe in the documentary is very much largely like, I cannot wait to go home and go to bed. Yeah. Um, that how he, that's how he seems all the time, which, you know what, as you get older, very relatable. I was like, I, <laughs> I get it. I get up in the morning. And I'm like, I can't wait to go bed, go, go to bed tonight. That's going to be amazing. <laughs> See ya. See ya, bed. So this song, uh, I wrote that we're still chugging. Mushok is still cooking. Stained got a stained, but the pre-chorus is once again, very strong. I enjoyed it. And also, if for as much smoking as I watched Aaron Lewis do in this documentary, he's still got some pipes, man. And when you watch him in the dock when he's recording these vocals live, like he's doing it, like, like yeah, they're not really having to tweak too much. I don't, I don't know what his secret is. Maybe that is, maybe everything we've been. I watched it and I'm like, are all the li- all the things we've been told about smoking lies? Because apparently Aaron Lewis has got like the most incredible pipes after just apparently just like eating a pack of cigarettes every day. So. Um. Yeah. I. Yeah. So I am. Um, I, I enjoyed this one. I didn't like it as much as the first song, but um. You know, I enjoyed it. Uh, I was not surprised to learn that this was the first single. Um, it had music video. Music video is pretty generic. It's just them performing in a like desiccated space or world that's been i don't know destroyed by the apocalypse or something uh all blue screen of course but they are also performing in those places with giant killer marshall stacks baby world might have ended yeah we still got riffs well, you we still, we got, still riffs. got a rock yeah but they are all filmed <laughs> in, those ending. videos always guitar center still open <laughs> they gotta make money you know <laughs> guitar gotta. center yeah. gotta so put food the on the family i always wonder what the amps are plugged into like what are they plugged into? A generator? I don't know. That's the thing. You've got limited generator abilities. <laughs> the world has ended, and somebody's like, um, "I got a, I got a ripper. I got to play for you guys." It's like this is what we use for our heat and our light. And it's like I got a ripper to play you. Stain got a stain. Stain got a stain. All right. Uh, I know that in yeah. every post-apocalyptic movie I watch, mm. number one, everybody likes making as much noise as humanly possible. Love to it. Everybody know where they are. Number We're two, over here. power is in ample supply. Gas, super easy to get. So, boom, let's have a concert. <laughs> <laughs> Just Marshall stacks to the ceiling. I love it. I love it. The hubris. Um, This song, not again, is kind of that mid-tier stain song that I don't like, but I get. Not again is good business. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a song that totally makes sense, plays to the bass, not too aggressive, not too rough. 
So from a broadening your audience standpoint, it's got a nice chorus. People can get into it, but like does not do much to enrich or welcome me back into the stained fold. Mm-hmm. It's just like good stained song, but I'm not a stained fan. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that one. Um, Sawminis.com has a super long, insane uh, the interpretation. interpretation. Yeah, uh, from uh, I don't know how we would say this, little zebra, little little zebra, little cobra, something like that. Um, it's very long. Um, lots of talks of the antagonist and protagonist of the song. Slow down, tenant. Um, but uh, this one, uh, this Slow one, down, tenant. Uh, oh, that's for all my tenant heads. They're gonna need the, uh, a salve for those birds. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, I did highlight this uh, this part at the end. It says this song is dead on about relationships with someone with narcissistic personality disorder. The gender indicators are reversible, but since it's a man singing, my interpretation is from a man's point of view. It could just as easily be a woman having these thoughts about her man. That's right, baby. Goes both ways. All right. Next up is failing. I want everybody at home to know that the moment that this song started, Matt's eyes became slits as he realized what was about to happen to himself. I am and when so that, not yeah happy hit, that happened to me. And I when that yeah hit, JD and I were like, here it is, Matt. The chain scene that we've been listening to for the past week. We've been oh, waiting for you to hear. Oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. Matt, you know who you know who else? Do you know who else hated it? Do you know who else hated this chain scene, Matt? Who? Mike Mushak. <laughs> there is a fight in the dock about this song. And it's great. It's once again intercut, because they're not in the same room. Nobody could be in the same room when they're making this record. Mushak's sitting there with Johnny K going. Allison Chains. It sounds just like Allison Chains. This has been done. It's cut to Aaron Lewis. What? Now I can't say yeah in a song? No one can say yeah in a song? What? And I'm sitting there like, and I was like trying, and I think I'd watched the doc. I'd only listened to the album once. And so I like went back and I put the album on and this song came out. And I was like, fucking Aaron Lewis won this fight. Yep. Because I think, oh, Mushak at one point, it's like, whatever, I concede. If he wants to do it, he can do it. Yeah, this is uh, Mushak called it, called it from half court. He's like, this is just Alice in Chains. And Aaron Lewis was like, you can't say yeah. I thought this was free country. You can't say yeah. Patriots merch table. Come get with it. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, and what's funny, though, is that Mushak is like very much pushing against the fact that it's an an Alice in Chains influence, whatever. And then the guitar after the first chorus is straight up Cantrell worship. It's like, I don't know. I guess he just leaned into the skit and was like, fine. I'll I'll just do Alice in Chains. I'll do Alice in Chains. I'll do Alice in Chains, yeah. But it was very funny to see Aaron Lewis being like, be like, whoa. I we you know, like my soul left my body there. <laughs> <laughs> JD, um, you had the look of like, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to yeah, see what yeah. happens here. Because you knew. You knew the whole yeah. time. 
You're like, yeah. oh, this one, this one's rough. <laughs> uh, this, so we know Matt's out. JD, it, it's neck and neck for my least favorite track on the album. My first note was this is a very third track on the album kind of song where like they've kind of they've gotten the opener out of the way. The single is often the second, the lead single is often the second track, and then the third track is where they get to like throw a throwaway track in early in the album because you still want to keep exploring uh so they haven't entirely lost us i also wrote that the solo to this song really bothers me and if you watch their 2011 mohegan sun live performance of this song it really seems like they're struggling to hold that the second half of this song together where aaron is doing this I tried to yelling thing. That's it's really hard to 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 deal with. Um, yeah, not my favorite track on the album. Well, if you go to songmeanings dot com, you'll find a person named Buckleman. Oh, Buckleman, Buckleman says, "My favorite off their new album." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, all right." <laughs> and, and they said, I, I think it's about a guy who likes a girl, but she ignores him and acts like he's not there. And he tries really hard to talk to her, but goes crazy over her, which explains how the song speeds up towards the end. That's a very reasonable explanation of why the song speeds up at the end. I mean, anytime I hear a song and it starts to speed up, I'm like, uh-oh, somebody just went crazy. <laughs> oh, did somebody just go crazy? This, this, tempo just, this tempo just went up. Somebody just go crazy. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> Wow, I have um, not been changed that hard in a while. Mm-hmm. That one, that one caught me. <sighs> that one caught. That was uh, that was a sucker punch. <laughs> well, yeah, I, well, I Matt, don't know. There's a get ready. Oh no, <laughs> Matt. The next song is called "Wannabe." little boy i do bad little boy things uh wow he's going for it though it is truthfully i've heard a lot worse rapping in my lifetime than that which is well yes because i've heard christian rap that's why (laughs) but um snoop dogg on this 
there is a Snoop Dogg version. The, the Japanese release features a Snoop Dogg remix, okay. which is actually kind of interesting. And there's a very good Aaron yell in it where he goes, yeah! <laughs> this song is funny because Aaron Lewis in the doc tells us that he reads all the comments. And he knows he shouldn't, but he does anyway. And he says no matter what he does, the commenters on Blabbermouth just rip him apart and so he decides to make an answer song to them he's coming back he's saying uh you want to say stuff about me i'm gonna say stuff about you and he comes up with these lyrics and him and johnny k are like there's only one way to deliver these i have to rap them there's all that's the only way and we don't see it's one of those things where i was like it's the only way and, and Johnny K was like, sure, yeah. But then they have a blast coming up with these lyrics. Like, they are laughing. It looked like the happiest day in the room. And then that's when Johnny April rolled in for a little bit just to see what was going on. It's like, he's like, yeah, it's about these guys just sitting in their basement, smoking cigarettes, leaving comments, jerking off. And Johnny April's like, yeah, it sounds like me. Ha ha! You know, like, whatever. All right, see you guys later. I get one-fourth of the cut. With his attitude, deserved. This song had me rolling every time I listened to it. I would say for a song about the haters, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit just for how blatant and direct it is. It's basically like if you heard Tool's Hooker with a Penis and you were like, all right, dumber. We can do, we can, we can be dumber. We can be dumber. It can be done. You know, and especially at the end when he's like, what are you doing? I'm selling records. What are you doing? Like this, it has this like, what if you have a song about your haters, but it's delivered by your dad, you know? <laughs> what are you doing? Huh? I'm out there selling, selling records. records. And With you're the in Patriots. Uh-huh. All right. The Patriots, who are also Stain fans, all right? Founding Fathers, Stain fans, equal level, all right? And you're inside, tippity-typing on your keyboard. Keyboard warrior? I'm with the real warriors. Real warriors, all right? I work for a living. Yeah, I got a job. I'm clocking every day at Stained Ink, all right? What are you doing? Huh? (laughs) By the way, Stained Ink... Well represented in the documentary whenever they talk to any of the record company guys who are hilarious in the way that they talk in total corporate speak every time. So you'll have like these scenes where it's like they're like, it's going really tough. You know, it's been a really hard process making this record. We're all recording separately. We're a lot of tension. Johnny's John Wysocki's probably going to quit the band. And then they cut this guy's like, not again went to radio and it has been impacting markets and has been their most successful single in their entire career. I was like, okay, all right. All right, corporate speak guy. Thanks for popping in. Go back to the drama I'm craving. Can I ask a question before we Always. go any further? And JD, yes. Lauren, I, I need your help. Mm-hmm. Does Aaron Lewis not know what a rim job is? I, that, that, he seems <laughs> very pleased in the doc with the rim job line. And I, I guess, you know... No, uh, he's just now. Let let me just see if we can. Yeah, let me see if we can just level set this. Mm -hmm. My understanding, okay. A rim job equals eating ass, face (laughs) in butt, eating butt. Here's the lyric that we have here. I'm selling records. 
what is it that you do? Sitting in your mama's basement with her shih tzu, peanut butter on your dick, right hand going click, with your left hand giving you a rim job? So, so, what? So, so, okay, so Aaron Lewis is not prescribing to the cosmopolitan.com understanding of what a rim job is. Um, So, Aaron Lewis Lewis believes that a rim job is merely the act of sticking your own finger in your own ass or around it. That is... That is what Aaron Lewis puts it as. So, so apparently, every time Aaron Lewis like wipes his butt, he's just like, "Shit, I'm rimming myself again." Um, yeah. I'm gonna just to- say, I'm just uh-huh. gonna say, before we go any further, yes, this person that they are describing is super industrious because they have a dog, a dick covered in peanut butter, while watching porn and massaging their anus. Right, and also writing negative comments about stained. <laughs> if anything, this oh, person is the, working. Is the right hand going click? Okay, so. yeah, right hand tapping, left hand in the butt. That's this person's working. Penis mm-hmm. covered in peanut butter. Yeah, hoping that the dog won't bite it. I guess. Right, right hand, mm-hmm. keyboard worrying away whilst mm-hmm. massaging their own pot prostate. Yeah, this person does not exist. This is, I say fallacy. I say well, fallacy, Aaron. You know Lewis. they 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 always talk about trying to make up a guy to be mad at. What a guy to make up! I made up a guy to be mad at, and you describe him, and you're like, you made that up. What? This is our enemy. <laughs> Peanut butter covered dick. Shit, on yeah. lap, right hand, computer, writing hateful, distasteful things about me. Left hand in butt. You know what? I got to say, maybe what happened was that Aaron Lewis was like, I'm so mad. He sent this description to the artist, and they were like, best I can do is do to the couple arms and legs <laughs> covered in black, holding <laughs> horns on their heads. Best I could give you. <laughs> Clyde Barker's uh, there like, oh, yeah, okay. I get, I get what you're going for here. Uh, yeah, just, just so everyone at home knows, according to Cosmopolitan.com, a rim job is when uh, one partner licks, kisses, sucks, and stimulates their partner's anus with their mouth and tongue. No mention of fingies. Strictly mouth situation. Right. So, yeah. So I understand uh, it as well. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Aaron, listen, you know what? Sometimes, and JD, you know this, you've been in bands, you've made music. Sometimes the lyric needs what the lyric needs. And <laughs> in this case, he knew that introducing a second person in to actually provide a rim job would ruin a bit of the fallacy because then we're like oh this person has a friend you don't want to introduce the idea of them having like friends not just a friend a friend who will eat their butt which is an incredible (laughs) friend (laughs) (laughs) which is stained fans gotta stick together man (laughs) that friend Uh, that's a friend for life for life baby Oh, man. Um, And I just wanted to read one comment. It's from Goddamn. Uh, It's the commenter, Goddamn. This song is the band hitting back at losers who sit in their parents' basement all day trashing bands they don't like on the internet. Stained is a band that does tend to get a lot of hate on the internet from musical elitist types. Are we among them? Are we among the elite? We might, we might be, but at the same time, we have spent over 300 episodes talking about the seven strings on Korn's guitar, <laughs> which creates their signature sound. I feel like 
my record stands as far as that as far as that also i love the step kings uh so i can never be an elitist not a deep cut for y'all all right we're digging back in aaron lewis remember he said he'd said it all but then he's like i got a little bit more in the tank and he wrote a song called throw it all away I like this intro. I wrote Stain, in my notes. Stains got a stained. That's all I I, re- I kept writing that over and over again. Stained has got a stained. But what was interesting, especially after going back and skimming through those other records they made in between uh, Break the Cycle and this one, is that there was a clear decision to remove the grit, remove the heaviness and bottom end, and the distortion, frankly, from the guitars to just smooth things out. And because this song would fit on those albums, but then they're like, no, no, we're going to grit it back up. We're going to bring it back up. And I just had my had this thought, especially when I was listening to Illusion of Progress. I was like, some of these songs, I'm like, this would be fine on like Break the Cycle. But it's like it's there was a, there was a Far Side cartoon once. And it was like it was Bill's last day working the tech board. And he went over and there was a button that just said suck. And he was about to press it. <laughs> and that was my thought process of like, yeah, some of these stain songs on Illusion of Progress, just somebody was like, you know what? Hold on. Let me make sure these suck. <laughs> like, just, just take out all the all the cool rock things that we enjoy. So this one, stained got a stained. I thought it was very fine. The lyrics are very direct in that. Literally, they're about throwing it all away. But uh, if I was a stained fan of the Break the Cycle or Dysfunction era, and I heard this one, I'd be like, okay, boys are kind of back. Boys are kind of back, and I'm I'm all right with it. JD. I wrote, uh, I like the intro a bit, just that it feels like uh, the stage fans have just hit my hair and and I get to like twinkle on that clean guitar intro nicely. I also wrote uh, truck music. This, this feels like, I, I don't own a truck, but if I did, this would be a great song to put on and just ride over stuff that other cars can't ride on. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and then you the see only a road other thing that's unpaved. Is, yeah, yeah, an unpaved road. Uh, the only other thing I wrote is I found myself skipping this one on my many listens. Uh, throw it all away. It was a throwaway mm. track for me. So I hear this, 
and I think of our good friend, friend of the show, Garrett Fuller, and his Wayne County Life. Um, if you've never seen Wayne County Life, JD, um, it is our good friend Garrett Fuller doing various characters, and one of his characters is um, kind of the construction worker persona, uh, and his name is Dip Cup. In the description of Dip Cup, like breaking kayfabe, as it were, Garrett told me, he's like, he is the type of guy who's mere moments away from crying at, the whole, at, at every moment that he is in. Like, if he were to allow himself to go there, he would have the best cry of his life and then be able to do something different. But will never allow himself to cry, ever, because he doesn't cry. In a truck, listening to this song, that's him. Yeah. That's another one of my notes for the album and my overall impressions was I just had this image of a hardcore stain fan driving his truck to like the base of a water tower somewhere as the sun goes down and just letting it go and then wiping those tears away and then going back and putting food on his family. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. All righty. Let's keep it going. Next up. Take a breath. having a fight with somebody and you are just furious at them and then they're like hey take a breath take a minute and you're like oh now i'm calm right (laughs) (laughs) i heard this song and i was like oh this is gonna go great yeah yeah you're just laying it in this motherfucker has let you down this fucking mediocrity and they're like hey breathe a little bit over there (laughs) uh this one uh, i've never seen anybody get calmer than when somebody tells them to calm down yeah like Mm -hmm. always historically yeah definitely not lighter fluid on a fire 
<laughs> a, the true soothing balm that needs needs to happen. I wrote in my notes that we have a very chunky riff, and then I don't know where I was going. I did these notes pretty late at night, so I don't know where I was going with this metaphor, uh, but I said, Mushak is back in the kitchen. Crack a window because something is burning. So I don't know if I thought this was actually a bad job. <laughs> that, that is such a great... <laughs> Open the window because something is burning. The riffs. Uh, it rips. I guess it rips, but 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 you don't want burning when you're cooking. Either way, I, I like this one. <laughs> I, I thought this was a good one. We were ripping it up. Aaron Lewis is being condescending. It's everything you need from a state song. <laughs> JD, any other thoughts on this one? When you get a taste, when you get to see Aaron delivering some of these vocal lines, and as Lauren was saying earlier, I think some of the ones you see in the doc are the actual takes that ended up on the album. Uh, it's kind of hard because he doesn't look like he's really invested emotionally in the delivery. That being said, when he screams that line, uh, I think it's God wanted me. He's like, God wanted me. I, I, it kind of gets me. I like it. And he does this flex between the scream and the signature Aaron's singing that I think is pretty cool. Um, so overall, I kind of like this song. I was listening to the song and I kind of had the same feeling. Like, I think the truth be told, I bring a lot of baggage to Stained. I really do. And it's hard for me to separate my feelings about Aaron Lewis from Stained. And that's that's a me problem. So I'm like listening to this. I'm like, this is a good song. This is a good straight ahead. This is radio friendly. It's got a, a tinge of aggression, but not too much. I don't know how this song, if they ever even used it as a single, but like it's textbook the band, but it's them. It's them wrapping it up the right way in my in my world. Like, I kind of felt like throw it all away was almost a little too much in that direction. This is like, it feels like one of the best balanced songs on the album so far Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say that he's in the kitchen and something's burning. (laughs) Something burning. Crack a window. Crack a window. Crack a window. Because we got the heat. Uh, mm -hmm. All right. Up next, we've got The Bottom.
I am just a worthless liar. I am just an yeah, imbecile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool yep. We are straight up in Tool Town with this one. It's also funny because Tool also have a song called Bottom that is largely lyrically similar to this as well. You know what, though? This was, once again, you, you could write it. Stain got a stained. And when you get to that chorus, we all put our hands in the air because that's the only place you could put them when you get to that type of chorus. So if you're at a stain show and you just went to get some beers for you and your concert partner attendee, you might end up wearing them beers because you're going to put them hands in the air uncontrollably. And that's going to be it. That's right. When you go to Stained, you always bring your friend, preferably the one who eats your ass. Right, the butt eater. <laughs> yeah, I was fine with this one. He'll meet you at the bottom. That is where they're both headed. Grim, but that's Aaron for you. Um, Matt? I kind of feel like the carryover from Take a Breath, where it's like, if we take Stained out of it, like the, we take the feelings out. This is, this is a good song. But it very much is uh, is undertow tool, and I, these choruses to me, going for the lift every time. I feel like I'm going to contradict myself from feelings I've had in the past. But it's like not every chorus needs to be a lift, and this is a pretty dour song. So if he were to go in that direction, but I feel like. And I know I'm kind of getting ahead of myself in the album and kind of getting into the canon talky portion of it. It's like, if this were to follow, if this was their fourth album, this really could have done some damage. Because it's like their fourth major release, to say. So this would have followed Not Breaking the Cycle. What was the one after that? After Breaking the Cycle? Oh, After Break the Cycle is uh, 14 Shades of Grey. Okay, so if this yeah. followed that, because 14 Shades of Grey did well, right? It, it performed well. It did well. okay. It, did, it was platinum. I mean, yeah, the, okay, the so, thing is that... But it I'm was sorry. also time period, right? Like, they would have... Yeah, well, well, that's, it does come up when Johnny April talks about, like, the arc of the band. It's like, Break the Cycle is their peak. It's their best-selling album. By and far. then, basically, 14 Shades of Grey, Chapter 5, Illusion of Progress, all sell well. Not as close... But they are like consistent sellers. Mm -hmm. Like basically when they when they're putting out Illusion of Progress, Stained is like a sure thing at that point. So yeah. So they're yeah, they're yeah, they're like they're a reliable entity for that time period. Stained this is Inc. is Stained Inc. a working yes. business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And we are a profitable company. Okay. Yeah, I just I kind of listen to this and I feel like if I am a stained fan, they are giving me everything I want. Like I mm. kind of feel like I've got the the slower moody boys. The I don't know how many it's been a while a band has. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of that's a hard target to hit. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds kind of silly to say, but like. You could put on It's Been a While right now, and even though I don't love the song, I respect the song craft and the song works. Like, I don't have mm -hmm. to like it for it to be a good song. Like, I know why this is a hit. But that is such a thin line to walk and such a hard thing to do that I feel like this kind of returned to a little bit more of the aggression, like a song like we just heard. 
you're probably going to find like this this field is ripe for the harvest you know like this is where it mm-hmm. is where it's like if we try to make another it's been a while that's that's just harder to me mm-hmm. you know like i just and outside i just feel like those are harder things to nail like you need 20 upbeat songs to have one it's been a while mm-hmm. i'm i'm thinking of um of uh cocaine and rhinestones have you ever we've talked about that uh, podcast haven't we we have Mm -hmm. okay so their last season was all about um george jones george jones was crazy because of drugs but like he loved singing ballads loved singing ballads above all else just wanted to sing the sad ones like every cliche you think about country music he, it's probably because of him because all he wanted to do is sing about like everything's gone to shit i'm fucking ruined my life is trash but he had to sing the upbeat ones to earn the sad sack ones and it's like what it's kind of like the lesson he learned he was like oh i've got to do like the heat is on i've got to do like all these songs that are like chug a lug and white lightning and all these like more up-tempo songs so I can do the Grand Tour. Because <laughs> you can't just do the Grand Tour. It can't be, it's been a while, and outside, followed by this. It's like, you need you need more up-tempo songs just from an audience standpoint of like, I can't, I'm not going to cry here, Aaron, I promise. <laughs> I'm in my truck by the water tower. I'm already as sad as I can get. I think Johnny uh, K and Mike yeah. Mushak would be honored to to see how uh, much inspiration this sparked in you, Matt, considering this is the song that they, no pun intended, retooled to death in the studio. You can see it in the doc. They talk about how they're trying to make this sort of gimmicky guitar riff that throws back to the harmonics in Mud Shovel but a little more modern as Johnny cases. And um, you'd see Mike Mushak like kind of loses patience because they were reworking the song up until the last second. Cause he and Aaron were having this back and forth about how they wanted the structure of the song done. And I don't get the impression they were very happy with it. So it's good that it sparked all this uh, discussion. Definitely sparked a lot of discussion. <laughs> there it is. Is it good? Oh God, no. The song is true. <laughs> Ah, perfect perfect all right next up we have now On your truck. On your truck. It's not been tested. Engage the four-wheel drive. Make sure you don't stop crying. Lock the hub. Make sure your friend is still. 
to lick your butt cheeks clear. Now! So this song was funny to me because it's um, this is a song that I would call uh, a Gatorade song. This is a song that would play on ESPN as they were cutting away <laughs> um, to, from a race or some sort of sporting event, and they're like, "Hey, we'll be we'll be back, we'll be back with the Briggsby Four Hundred, and then that comes oh, in, no. you know, and then it's like this 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 chorus of like now it's up to you the path that you choose got to do something different like once again we're like this like motivational stained stain telling me that tomorrow's gonna be different and because it's up to you to do something well i'm like wait a minute hold on Aaron, are you saying i gotta get out of my basement i gotta get this friend to stop licking my ass and i gotta get out into the world and make a difference wow that's that's quite a motivational thing. The, the, in, the honestly, the reference point I got from this was the um, Jimmy World's, uh, I believe it's two thousand four song, uh, "Pain," which also is a very much a Gatorade ESPN type of song as well. So this one, I, I enjoyed the shredding. Mushak in the kitchen. No need to crack a window though. Not smoking. This is the, a perfectly prepared meal here. But I, I do I do want to po- point that line. We all caught it when you've come to a fork in the road. You can almost taste it. So I see what he's doing with the metaphor there. So I guess the, the the taste is your future because you don't eat a fork. You use a fork to eat. <laughs> but when you see a fork in the road, it's time to eat. Yes. But it's like you see the fork in the road, you can almost taste it is like taste the fork. Yeah. <laughs> forks are delicious <laughs> get get you some fork <laughs> yum 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 jd i wrote uh th- so this is the third single off the album uh and i wrote it kind of sounds uh a little god smacky to me so very very radio rock uh, again, the choruses on this album, I think they were leaning a lot on Aaron, like, hey, please take this song somewhere. I forget which one. It's somewhere lost in my notes. But um, I know a couple of the songs, Mike had written a lot of the main riffs, but it hadn't really worked out the choruses by the time they went into the studio. So I think a lot of these were just kind of like slapped together last minute, um, as as Aaron mentions also in the doc, he had kind of run out of steam with his lyrics and what he could say and i think that kind of shows in the chorus i I, the music is really fun and driving for this one so i overall i enjoy it It, we were all dancing while we heard it we were all we were all dancing and feeling motivated you know (laughs) and to get out there and and do something um you know i realized when we uh up at the top of the episode we did not mention the genre tags for this album which are alternative metal and new metal and when you click through the uh, for the the page for now, uh, this song just has a new metal tag. Also, I learned did not know this that this was in the video game NASCAR: The Game Inside Line. This is perfect. That, for that. tracks. Perfect. Grab your Gatorade. <laughs> Grab your Gatorade. 
get on that course. Get Life to get, is get a the wheel spinner. It is. It really is. Someone should, you know, that's a good metaphor. Someone should use that. Up next, we're closing in on the finale here. We got Paper Wings. Oh, quick question. How respectful yeah. of our time is this album? Oh, Matt, you are going to love this. This album clocks in at a sweet 42 minutes and eight seconds. Oh, yeah. It really does respect our time. It's nice. Stain was like, Stain was like, listen, we're almost out of ideas. <laughs> 42 minutes is all you get. Very respectful. This was this was this was easy listens. Like right when I thought this should be done, it was done every time. It's like respect, respect. Uh, yes. Yeah, so here we have paper wings. got some stuff you want to say about paper wings lay it on us man hit us with it buddy this is the song that i have the most uh feelings about and none of them are good so uh conventional wisdom would dictate that i not share them with you however um given that i have been in the past such a big stain fan I, i i just feel so let down by this song who is this song for is the first line i wrote like like why does it exist i get that he's calling someone pathetic which is the second time he's used that word which is a pretty strong word to use twice in an album um if you watch that live in at mohegan sun 2011 performance of the song this is one of the very few songs that he goes to old school aaron and and puts down the guitar um and I don't think that there's a good reason for it. It really looks like he's struggling through the song. It, it, watching it being played close to its writing and release, you can see that the band like really uh, doesn't know what to do with this song, and they feel more obligated than anything else to perform it, to say, hey, we, we wrote this song. I, I wrote, if you go to that Live at Mohegan Sun 2011 performance, if you ever wonder what Johnny April does for this band, watch him try to hold it together by performing the backing vocals during that chorus or whatever you can call it, the pre-chorus. Uh, it's rough because obviously he doesn't train his vocal cords and uh, he, he's really trying. 
And uh, you can just see the band kind of falling apart while they perform this song, and it, it really eats away at my confidence in it. I am um, so fucking dammy. <laughs> yeah, I um, I I also wrote I also wrote uh the, to equal what you had just said, uh, JD, very eloquently. I wrote that this song has a cool grind and some dragging noise. Um, so, um, so we're really on the same yeah, page. Yeah. They're having some sonic uh, fun with it. Yeah, I mean, also the it, the guitar on the pre-chorus felt vaguely metalcore, which I did not expect to hear on this album. But he doesn't really embrace it. But it was like neat to hear like a different sound. But you definitely get at this point where it's like, like we're on track nine, we really don't have like a ton of ideas, and we're really running out of them. We got paper fucking wings. <laughs> Always a bad idea, as everyone knows. If you got if if somebody's like, hey, do you have any wings? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I got some. And you go to their like garage, or whatever, and their paper. You're like, no, 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 these aren't gonna work. They, they, we all know that. They also have a song called Paper Jesus, which in some of my live performance reviews, I I saw they they played those two songs like two or three songs apart from each other. Paper Jesus and Paper Wings. Well, the paper on, a, on not to go back to <laughs> at that the, point. At that point, they donned the new monikers of their band, the Paper Boys. <laughs> the Paper Boys. Uh, not to go back to the illusion of progress again, but on that album, they have a song called "Raining Again," which is immediately followed by "Rainy Day Parade," oh my and God. I was stunned by that sequencing. Stunned. You Nobody, know there was a meeting, and they were like, "Nobody had any thoughts." Tune. They were like, we're going to have two songs with rain in the title. Fr- right away, I'm like, you are? And then they're like, and we definitely got to smack them right next to each other. Yeah. How many songs are on this fucking album? 13. There were 13 songs on Illusion of Progress. You could have cut, I'm going to just say it, 12. Easy. And uh, you would have been all set. Honestly, the only song I recommend from that album is the, is the, the It's Our Great Senior Year song. All right. We're at it. It's the we're final here. song on the album. It's called Something to Remind You. You know, when I think about next year, I know that this is our year, boys. We got to keep it together. We're going to so win. This is in. Uh huh. Yep. And uh, <laughs> saying goodbye. Hey, at the end of the year. This chapter of my ever Graduation isn't going to separate us. There's no way it's going to separate us. We're not. We're going to stay connected after graduation. All right. We made a pact. All right. And if guys, we don't I get have... laid, <laughs> I got a terrible news. Wait. No. I, wait. What? I don't think I got laid this year. So. <laughs> oh no. Oh no, dude. Well, here's something to remind you of me. Whoa. <laughs> no. No! It's leaving a lot, man. That's been so cold. Look in my face. I would have loved it if they would have turned it into like a polka right there, where they just like, they like really picked it up, and we're just like, so we say bye. (laughs) See you tomorrow. So when this song started, I said, okay, this is what I would expect Stain to go out on. On like their Return to Heavy album, they're still going to go out with like a tender ballad. Makes sense. I want to give them points up top 
for not doing the log cabin move and recording it in a room where the mic is somewhere else. It's crisply recorded. Sounds great. It is funny, though. This is, on Apple Music, the most popular song from this album. By far. Like, this is, like, so when it came to Stainheads, they were like, what song do you want from their return to form? Well, we want another slow song. That's what we want. Um, songmeanings.com, the majority of the comments are very grim about people basically relating to this song to suicides that they know in friends and family. Very dark stuff. Um, Very sad. Very sad. One guy named Finding Homer says, I just hope it's not a retirement song. An album to go out in a blaze of glory. But then the most interesting comment was from CD Wars, who was downvoted, who said, this song really reminds me of the 10th Doctor. (laughs) And everyone was like, get your Doctor Who shit out of here. This is for stain only. All right? We We got peanut butter in our dicks and a good friend in our ass. All right? Yeah, I, oh I, co- I copied and pasted I, that into my notes. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh. This, you know what? This reminds me of fellas. Mm-hmm. The tenth doctor. <laughs> the tenth doctor. Is that is that Tom Baker? Who's the tenth doctor? Uh, the tenth oh, doctor a... is. Oh, that's uh, Neil Tennant. David Tennant, not Neil Tennant, who I believe is the singer in the Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> David Tennant. Neil Tennant's like coming through your walls right now, Matt. Like, you compare me to fucking Stained? <laughs> <laughs> JD, how did you feel about this this uh, ballad closer? Um, I wrote, uh, Aaron takes this song really fucking seriously. There are a lot of self-important performances. He, I think he dedicated dedicates the song to Chester Bennington uh, at a performance the day he learned of Chester's passing. I'm going to beat a dead horse here with the mention of the Mohican Sun, but if you look up live performances of the song, it seems like the real winner is the one that he did at that show in 2011. Um, I found this uh, opera singer reacting and commenting on that performance and the title of that video is called is stained deep pain music um i think the song really appeals to the uh stained fan who wants to cry in their truck uh but all that being said i i kind of actually like the song and it's a sweet tie up to this kind of conflicted album and actually contributed to me restarting the album a couple times during my uh, homework lessons. So. Yeah, I felt like this is staying doing what they do. In the documentary, it definitely feels like this is one that Aaron Lewis is invested in and gives it more time than I think some of the other songs received. Um, and so, yeah, like I was like at the end, I'm like, yeah, I want Stain to be ripping, but then I hear this and I was like, it's one of those things like, you know, let me tell you, we got a number of messages and emails where we were told you do not have to hand it to Stained, you guys. <laughs> and I get it. I get it. Okay. But with this one, I was like, I guess I kind of got to hand it to Stained a little bit. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, here's the thing. On the grand scheme of things of, of, of crimes of a, of a, you know, crimes of a, of a famous person saying dumb shit, Aaron Lewis is honestly on the lower end i'm just gonna put yeah it yeah there. yeah he stays um, in yeah. this lane more um, more or less. yeah pretty much yeah, yeah. so um he's yeah. that and, self-aware he knows who he is and he knows where he is 
exactly. Um, so yeah, so in that way, I was like, yeah, I was, yeah, I was fine with this one. I was like, yeah, this is this is how you close this record. And also, it was like ten tracks. I was like, I couldn't be mad, really, because then we were done. And indeed, that is the album that is stained by stained. And now we are at the part of the show where we talk about canon talk. Talking about the canon, JD, you're our guest. We'll start with you. You know, uh, I, I'm not fully sure I understand all the ins and outs and the rules of what makes a song go into the canon. Uh, but if I had to uh, vote anything off of this album towards the canon, I, I would have to say Wannabe uh, for its its try-hardness. And, uh, and it just means such a, it's the, to me, the standout track on this album and not for a good reason, but I, I think it's worth considering. I wrote in my notes that um, this album is definitely a return to form after so many soggy records. Uh, I like most of it. It's brisk, but I didn't know if there was anything on here that is as good as mud shovel. And as I said, at the top of mud shovel isn't in, I really couldn't see putting any of this in. However, I think the documentary 100% goes in the new metal junk drawer. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Matt? Yeah, I would say that this is this is definitely not a canon album. Um a return to stained uh a return to stained or a return to form for stained in terms of like I feel like this is why the n- newest singles that we're hearing kind of rip a little bit more that they did need to get away uh, you know, from the let's make a cover to cover sad sack record or a lost and mopey record. There's some songs that if they were here, like something to remind you is a song that if I were playing Metal Gear Solid and they do a cutscene where Snake <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't have to, I don't need to keep going. Like. <laughs> Matt, you had me at Solid Snake. <laughs> so, yeah, it it is it is exactly it is exactly where it needs to be in the career arc. There's not world beaters on here. Like even hearing the singles, I'm not like, "Wow, those are singles." Like that it that's a a me wow. There's no wow in this record, which is not it's not me down like yes, that is not a great statement to say about a record, but it's like this is a tried and true band at this point that is kind of trying to rediscover themselves. You can kind of feel like they're they're turning a corner, but they haven't turned it yet. They're a little bit wayward. Um they're not all on the same page according to the doc, but you can kind of feel it here where it's like there's a lot this album shows influences moreover than it shows stained in a new direction like but the stainedness is there like the core of this album is 100% stained like there you will not be confused at all as as who this is but yeah no this is not a canon album by any any leaps or bounds but um let's get in a theater with 90 people Mm-hmm. And re talk about Mud Shovel because mm-hmm. I do think we have to reconsider. That needs to be reconsidered. I think so. So there you have it, folks. While Stained by Stained is, according to Artist Direct, a timeless masterpiece, <laughs> Stained can't be stopped. 
Um, it is not in the new metal canon. Uh, but the Stain documentary, which uh, according to Wikipedia is called the making of stain documentary <laughs> it's yeah, it's just called documentary uh that Stains is in for the memories it stains yeah that is in the new metal junk drawer and that's also one that i do think we also need to get a that's what we we need to get a theater together 90 of our closest friends you know what ones that eat our ass and ones that leave it alone <laughs> either can come all right and we sh- we do a showing of this doc and then we reassess <laughs> Mud shovel. That's what we got to do. There you go. That's the next live show, guys. And then, um, uh, and Lauren and I will reconsider or consider creating the Tryhards Hall of Fame. <laughs> and maybe Wannabe is the first song <laughs> in the Tryhards Hall Might of Fame. Might be. Uh, that does bring us to the end of another episode of Roach Coach. Thank you so much for listening. JD, thank you so much for coming JD. on the show. Thank you so much for A having tr- me. Uh, a true pleasure. Um, everybody can find you on all of the podcast apps, How yeah. I Got Tinnitus. Like I said, great pod. The Lou Barlow episode, incredible. So, so great. But all the episodes are very, very good. And uh, until next time, uh, Matt, thank you. Lauren, thank you. J.D. Your ears weren't ringing before. (laughs) Thanks Thanks so much. Bye, guys.